The Work in Sports podcast is brought to you by Munich Business School. You love sports and you want to use that enthusiasm professionally. We'll start your international career in sports business starting September 2021 at Munich Business School. The two-year international master's program in sports business and communication combines sports management and sports marketing in a very unique way. Benefit not only from small courses, top lecturers, and top partner universities, but above all else, from excursions and company visits, a real practical project, and their mentoring program with company representatives. This is the type of program I love. Hands-on, seeing and experiencing, breaking out of the traditional classroom environment. Check it out. The sports world is more global than ever, and getting international experience would be amazing for your career. Find out more at Munich minus business minus school dot de slash sbc one more time munich minus business minus school dot de slash sbc all right let's start the countdown five four three two one zero ignition liftoff Hey everybody, I'm Brian Clapp, VP of Content and Engaged Learning at WorkInSports.com, and this is the Work in Sports Podcast. A couple of quick housekeeping notes before we get into today. Sorry I missed last week's episode. It was President's Day, which is technically a day off, but I would still usually create a podcast episode because that's kind of my norm. But the truth is, I didn't have any fan questions that were really jiving with me, and it was snowing. So I had an epic snowball fight with my kids. And I really enjoyed it. So I'm not going to really apologize too much. Call me selfish. I call it having balance. Okay. With that said, our Monday episodes thrive off of your questions. I'm here to answer what you need and what you want to know about working in the sports industry. So please send me your questions. Bclap, that's B-C-L-A-P-P at workinsports.com. That is my direct email that I'm giving out. So don't abuse it, but you can ask questions there. Or you can message me on LinkedIn. You can DM at Work in Sports on Twitter. I will get your questions. So make sure to submit them. And I want them to be great topics for this show. Side note, if anyone out there is connected to Twitter support, our account was hacked on November, in November. Like seriously, in November. And our 25,000 followers were stolen from us. It still makes me want to cry. 10 years of building an audience worked down the drain. Uh, we filled out countless forms. I've reached out to multiple people at, in the industry, a couple of contacts at Twitter, and no one has helped us. So uh, I'm a little frustrated. You might be able to tell that. If you know anyone at Twitter who can help or have gone through this before, this is me begging. I want our followers back. I'm tearing up. No, not really. Um, last note before we get into the stat line, I have a lot of awesome guests coming up on the show. Coming up in the next few weeks. So Wednesday, Mark Grass Jr., who's a partner at Prodigy Search, an incredible recruiting agency for the sports industry. Dr. Bill Sutton. Doc Sutton is one of the elite thought leaders in our industry, especially as it relates to sales and marketing and starting out in the sports industry. Uh, So many of my previous guests count him as a mentor. So I needed to have him on. Allison Bickford, director of corporate partnership activation for the Seattle Kraken. A couple weeks ago, if you remember, a guest said you need to have somebody from the Kraken. Well, here it is. Eric Stark co-founder of Slate, a content creation platform for real-time social media, which is used by the Golden State Warriors, Premier Lacrosse League, Baltimore Ravens, Denver Broncos, NYCFC, the SEC. Amazing company. Excited to talk to uh, Eric, learn more about how it all started and what they're doing. And Fawn Germer, who is the author of the book, Coming Back, How to Win the Job You Want, 
when you've lost the job you need. Really interesting lady. I enjoyed that conversation. That interview, you guys will enjoy it too. So point is, we got a really sweet lineup of guests coming up. Make sure you stay, stay tuned as we transition into spring and drives home some really great content. I say this as I look out my basement window and see it's snowing and there's two feet of snow already on the ground. So I think it's wishful thinking for me to be talking about spring. Okay, let's jump into the stat line. Three statistics that will help you understand the current state of sports employment, all data provided by WorkInSports.com, the leading job board for the sports industry. It's awesome. I love WorkInSports.com. Data point number one, 20,680. That's how many active jobs we have right now on WorkInSports.com. I'm telling you, that is a lot of opportunity, and we're seeing that growth cycle really come back up. That's up 3.6% from last week. It's growing. The opportunities are out there, and there's a lot of really cool opportunities. It's not overweighted in any specific industry. There are areas that are growing faster than others, but we're starting to see everything start to come back, which is really encouraging. Data point number two, that's 2,388 new jobs added since last week. Really great number, which brings us to data point number three, 341. That's how many new jobs are added every single day of the week over the last week. And that number keeps moving. You know, some weeks you have more than others. But if you're thinking there are hundreds of new jobs added every day to the sports industry that could be your perfect match, that's a reason to subscribe to our job board. That is a reason to come back and check it every single day because there's new opportunities emerging all the damn time. Okay, let's talk about three cool jobs that are fresh on our job board at workinsports.com. Since we started doing this segment, I've had a lot of people emailing me and say, wow, you talked about this job. I was totally into it. So I applied for it right afterwards. So cool. Thank you for publicizing some of these jobs. Okay. I do three of those a week. We have 20,000 active sports jobs on workinsports.com. If you think me picking out three a week is informative, you should really get a premium membership and check out a lot more than what I'm telling you about. This is just what I'm doing is wetting your appetite and trying to explain some rules to you and point out some little interesting point of job descriptions. You need to get in there and do this for yourself as well. So check it out. Okay. Three jobs I like this week. Event manager, pro golf hospitality at Octagon. Now, I interviewed Jennifer Keene, a VP at Octagon, a couple years ago, and I'm really, I'm so enamored with that company because they're your trip typical conglomerate that is so well known in the sports industry, but I'm sorry, in most other industries, but they're in sports and they do agency, they do marketing, they do events, they do everything. And so it's a really cool organization from a, if you think of it in this standpoint, you get in with a company like that and there's all these different options for you to pursue in your career. You could start out in marketing and then get into agency. You could start out, you know, in data and move this way. And I'd love some of these larger companies because the opportunities that they exist within, that the opportunities that exist within can be very powerful. But I bring up this job for a few specific reasons. Remember, sports isn't a job, it's an industry. So that means there are jobs in sports that are common in other industries. So there's jobs in finance and accounting and HR and operations. Those are jobs that happen in other industries, but also happen in sports. But one of the things that makes our industry unique, you know, other than like coaching, scouting, trainer type jobs that are very sports specific, but it's, it's the events. And so many of you love this part of the sports industry, the energy and the passion that comes through at events. A job like this, event manager and pro golf hospitality with a huge and powerful organization like Octagon puts you in the exciting front lines of event management. And I can see why so many people would be drawn to a career like that on the event side, because that is part of what makes sports so special. Job number two, 
Coordinator, League Operations and Development for MLB Advanced Media. Again, Coordinator, League Operations and Development. Okay, so I'm going to read a little bit from their job description. As a coordinator, minor league operations and development, you will assist with day-to-day baseball operations administration for MLB's affiliated minor league system, while also focusing on generating ideas to enhance and improve the player development system. Okay, so on Friday, I spoke at East Stroudsburg University. Great class, great group of students. And one student said, hey, my dream is to work in a baseball front office. How do I get there? Well, this is the kind of thing. If you go onto our job board and you see this coordinator minor league operations job, and development, that's the kind of thing you should be looking at because coordinator tells you it's an entry-level job. It's a starting position. But you are making decisions and being involved very much in how a front office and the bigger picture of the organization operates. This is the type of gigs you should be looking for. Again, look for terms like coordinator that tells you it's entry level, but then look for the high ceiling of the opportunity. The role itself will reach far and wide. I mean, generating ideas to enhance and improve player development. Hello, that's what you're talking about when you're talking about working in baseball front office. That's your end goal. You've got to find jobs like this that are your first steps to get there. It's a path. Day-to-day baseball operations administration. This sounds like a winner. So check these kind of things out. If you know your end goal, reverse engineer it and say, what are the steps to get there? This is one of the, this job is one of those steps. Okay, job number three. Coordinator of Retail Marketing at Adidas. Two reasons I bring this up. You've heard me talk before that retail and lifestyle brands are growing during the pandemic. So if we look at our job board and break it down into seven to nine categories, some have come down during the pandemic, others have gone up. Retail and lifestyle has gone up. We've seen a lot more jobs in that section. Lifestyle brands, Adidas, Puma, Nike, Under Armour, Patagonia, they're all really doing well right now. So if you're drawn to that anyway, know that there's great opportunities there at this time. This is a cool entry-level job in the lifestyle brand category, and who better than Adidas? Like, seriously, start to think about those moments on your resume, because I do think of each job as a moment. Like, either it's telling the story that you learned these incredible things, or it's telling the story that you worked at this incredible place and learned all the best practices of the industry. I think those are two important messages that come through from your resume. Sometimes it's a combination of both. But the message, there's a message from each one. If you have something like Adidas on your resume, that'll stick there forever. It'll always stand out. It'll always tell somebody you've worked amongst the best practices in the industry. So I, I, one of the reasons I want to bring it up, I always tell you that, uh, t- that uh, I tell everybody who listens that look for that you should look for skills that can help separate you from the pack. If you look at this job description or if you look at any job description, they're going to tell you things that are not mandatory but are nice to have. Your attitude has to be, okay, You may have said it's not necessary, but I'm going to learn it because to me, that's a differentiator. So here's an example. In this job description, it says for the for a retail marketing role, um, it says knowledge in Photoshop, Illustrator and InDesign are desired, but not mandatory. You need to read that stuff differently. You need to read it as it's mandatory because you're looking to differentiate yourself. And if they give you little clues like that in a job like this to say, hey, be nice to have that. That means somebody else in the applying world, in the environment of people who apply, is going to have that. So are you competitive enough that you say, I don't want that person to be better than me? If you are, go learn those skills because they're telling you it's important to us. And if it's important to them, it should be important to you. And it can differentiate you. It can be that little difference for you. So get those kind of skills and look for that kind of messaging. Just trying to really hammer home that point anytime I can. So that was the stat line. All right, today's question comes in from Kyle in Washington State. 
Hey, Brian, one of my professors just told me about the Work in Sports podcast, and I'm hooked. It's amazing. I have learned so much from you and the team at Work in Sports, so thank you. You have given a ton of advice over the years on every facet of hiring, career planning, networking, and more. You've always done it with an eye towards the future, which I also appreciate. Not just talking about where we are, but where we are going. Thanks, Kyle. With that in mind, how do you think sports will change in 2021 and beyond from a business standpoint? Okay, Kyle, this will be a fun conversation. I'm glad that you are bringing it up. I will mention really quickly, too, in 2021, one of our goals was to be more video-based. Uh, one of my goals is the content team at WorkinSports.com. Um, and so we are doing every Monday podcast will be also recorded. And we're going to post it on YouTube. So make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel and watch that if that interests you. And we also share it as part of our uh, our work in sports podcast group on Facebook. So there's a lot of different communities that you can be involved in if you want to be a part of this ongoing conversation. Okay. So let's get into it. You, there may be things you disagree with in this conversation. There may be things that you say, no, that that's not how I see it at all. That's okay. That's that's fine. This is an opinion, right? You're asking my opinion and thoughts. So if you have different ones or if you like any of the things I'm talking about, Please comment on our YouTube channel. Join our Facebook community. Let's have a discussion about it. Hit me up on LinkedIn. Tell me what you think. I like having a conversation with all of you out there. I don't want this to be a one-way medium where I talk and you listen. I want there to be more engagement. Which brings us, because I'm a master at segueing, brings us to point number one. Okay. I'm going to have six points here. Number one is content is king. Oh, wait. Scratch that. Conversation is king. It's a long title. The idea has always been that content, if you build it, they will come, right? And I th I've always felt like that was kind of a flawed concept because just creating content and pushing it out there isn't enough. The real power comes from having a strategy that engages the audience, drives interest, and creates conversations. Because eventually that builds more connectivity and can result in more revenue more eyeballs, more engagement, and those are important things to be monitoring. Now, names, images, and likeness conversation is gonna come up in this list. We're gonna have that, so stay tuned. But I bring it up here to say, this will be one of the most exciting parts of this conversation about you know the conversation and content because it will start earlier in the athlete's life than ever before. And I think that makes that, that bridge of brand and conversation all that more interesting. So someone mentioned this concept on Twitter this morning. Wait for it. I have to think, what was the name? Oh, uh, Jeremy Darlow, who is a genius, and you really should follow him. He's a marketing and branding genius, especially as it relates to the sports industry. You should really follow him on Twitter. He's a smart guy. Um, I thought, you know what? I should have him on the show. I should try that. Okay. Anyway, he said this morning, why did Luca beat out Dame? Fan vote. Why did Luca get the fan vote? More people around the world and in the U.S. talk about him. The conversation is what we are driving toward, and that is the larger brand strategy. Strategy That is a larger brand strategy than just creating content, aiming for a conversation, having a full, all-encompassing strategy rather than just create and post um, because we need to have content. Like Being broader about that, I think you'll start to see taking on more of a role in the sports industry and trying to drive towards those conversations. So let's get into number two, the names, image, and likeness. Again, this is huge, and I don't feel like we're talking about it enough. It's super exciting to a dork like me. I mean, if you think about the last 10 to 15, uh, five to 10 years in sports, we've started to get to know pro athletes through their media style assets, right? So 
you could now, if Kurt Warner said something, you could tweet at him and he might respond, right? And that's happened to me. That didn't happen to me in the first 10 years of my career, but it has happened in the last 10 years of my career. This is kind of a new phenomenon of having this connectivity, right? So pro athletes are starting to leverage their social channels, their websites. Some of them, how Tom Brady has their own production company. You know, a lot of them, a lot of athletes do. Well, now let's expand this entire marketplace, this entire developing marketplace to college student athletes, right? The opportunities to grow their brand and generate revenue will be huge in 2021. So think about this. Athletes were building their brand anyway, but their goal at that time was, I want to get more scouts to notice me. I want to get more college programs to notice me so that maybe they recruit me. I want to get more you know, viewers so maybe I can become somewhat of a, an influencer. But really now, we're ad- adding in the incentive of realized revenue. We're not just saying, hey, if you build your brand, you might be able to get these colleges to look at you if you're a high school athlete, or you might be able to get these pro teams or scouts to recognize you or see your film if you push it out this way. Now we're saying, yeah, you can do those things, but you can also build a media personality, a brand, an entire aura, and monetize it. Now you're going to start to get everybody more involved because you're going to bring in all those people who may not have a massive future in professional sports. So you'll get a a wrestler from Penn State or a wrestler from Iowa or a softball player from Oregon or some other player who will be able to leverage this ability to build their brand, generate some revenue and build interest in their own program, too. I think that's one of the things that gets lost. I think it's good for the NCAA because especially a lot of the fringe sports, you're going to have some water polo star from USC who nobody had ever heard of before, but now everybody knows because they've built this incredible media channel that is generating revenue out the, you know what? Um, so I think this is a really exciting new venture and you can see me getting excited because I'm our YouTube channel. I'm talking with my hands and that usually means I'm excited. Uh, and I talk fast, but I, I think one of the things now imagine that you are in marketing or branding or you're part of an agency a whole new market is opening up for you, right? It's all of a sudden now you can talk to student athletes. Now you can work with them on their marketing strategy. Now you can work with them on branding and representation and and, and contract negotiation at an earlier age. I mean, it's so interesting how this will all play out. So enough about that. Number three. Sponsorship deals, I think, are going to start to take over more prime real estate. For a long time, sponsorship has its sweet spots in stadium, the ring around arenas, around the the, uh, concourses, you know, some activations in certain places. But most of the time, it's an in-stadium sponsorship uh, activity. And jerseys used to be like no-fly zone, right? This is changing dramatically. As Sportico kind of pointed out in a recent article, the NHL is putting small logos on helmets. The PLL is adding logos in place of shoulder numbers. So look for more of this start to take place, which pivots into point number four. Teams are going to be using their digital channels to drive more revenue, not just awareness. So when you talk about marketing objectives, an early product cycle objective is awareness. We need to get people to know about what we offer. We need to tell them what we do and and how it benefits them. And so it's just awareness, right? It's just education, product awareness. As the marketing cycle matures, you start to focus on how do we use this channel to generate revenue or conversations? You know, you have to have some kind of a business goal in mind. If you're an online product, you ask, does this piece of content drive product conversions? Well, 
sports teams, leagues, and organizations are now saying, okay, we've built these huge distribution platforms. Our Twitter account has 4 million followers. Our YouTube channel has 10 million views this month. Let's monetize that reach. And so you'll see more and more digital sponsorship activations where creativity is really the only limit. As Jason Clerken shared on a recent podcast, the Orlando Magic has a partnership with Chick-fil-A, and they do find a lot of creative ways to activate that partnership outside of just in-stadium signage, right? They generate revenue for both brands. So expect to see more of that. I really think this is interesting in that sponsorship, like companies always thought when we do sponsorship in sports, that means a sign somewhere in the field, in the arena, at the stadium. Now we're starting to get more creative in that and you're seeing a lot more digital activations. And I think that's a really, really cool and powerful way to take this audience, millions of Twitter followers or whatever it may be, and say, let's put some effort behind that to make it revenue positive, not just brand awareness. Um, Number five. I think we're going to see less reliance on ticket sales revenue. I mean, if anything has been learned from this process, it's that the sports industry, especially the big four, have been overweighted in their reliance on being able to sell tickets. But a lot of those leagues that survive off of other things than just tickets have done okay. Listen to the interview with Gabby Rowe from Maestro Sports and Entertainment. A lot of the brands he represents outside of the big four don't rely so much on ticket sales. So put it this way. I think the trend may be in certain sports, probably not the NFL, but in certain sports to start developing smaller arenas. Think about that for a second. Look at baseball, and this is an extreme example, but the Miami Marlins, their stadium holds 36,000, right? They averaged 10,000 per game in, in 2019. What you're showing when you do that is you've got this huge empty stadium that looks bad on television, looks uninteresting, and that multiplies. People see nobody else there, and it's not really like something I want to go attend, right? But it's also, there's a huge cost in upkeep. The, all the energy that goes in, all the upkeep that goes in, all the cleaning that goes into all these other areas of the stadium that aren't even being used, right? The staffing that goes into that. There's a lot of money being spelled to support, spent to support these massive stadiums that may not be generating the revenue that they think they should. Why not start to create smaller stadiums? Pack the house every night, lower your energy bills, your upkeep, your staffing, pack the house, build demand, lower costs. It just makes business sense. I still remember going to EPL games, English Premier League games in London. And my first impression when going into some of the stadiums was that, oh my gosh, these are tiny. But the atmosphere was electric. They weren't surviving off of ticket sales. They were making money in lots of other ways. So U.S.-based leagues, I think, have to figure out, maybe this pandemic was that stimulus to get them to this point. They have to figure out how to make more revenue outside of ticket sales. So they find a balance. Smaller stadiums, packed house, electric content, create demand, sponsorship deals everywhere. That's what I'd be doing. And number six, my final point, less travel. I can't tell you how many meetings I have flown to over my career that could have been handled on Zoom. Non-game travel is going to plummet. We will rely on more virtual information sharing than ever before. The idea of spending four hours getting to an airport, flying, going somewhere, having a three-hour meeting, and then flying back, which happens a lot in our industry, is gone. It's such a waste of time. Commuting a lot of times is a waste of time. You can get more work done. There's more productivity if you don't have to take out those time sucks of your day. And I think the industry will get smarter in that regard. You'll see more hybridized schedules. You'll see less travel. You'll see us maximizing the time we have and continuing in an at-home environment. So those are six things that I feel pretty passionate about for the business of 2021 and into the future. What are you feeling? What stood out to you here? What would you like to see happen differently? 
comment on our YouTube channel, share it on the Work and Sports podcast community on Facebook, hit me up on LinkedIn, plenty of ways to communicate. I want to engage all of you in the conversation since that was my first point here and I need to live my own experience. So thank you for listening. Tune in on Wednesday for Mark Gress Jr. from Prodigy Search. Super cool interview, lots of great insights. Thank you all for listening and I'll talk to you all soon.